when you craft a strategy for for web three, <laughs> you take that, you put it like away. It it will be useful, but not now, not at the beginning. Hello and welcome to Polyweb. I'm your host, Sara Landi Tortoli, and my mission is to bring you the top entrepreneurs and builders across Web 2 and Web 3 to help you be successful at building and growing your company. Join us on this mission to build a better internet. In this episode, we talk all about growth strategies in Web 3 with marketing expert, Bertrand Banchetton. Bertrand is a multi-awarded growth and community marketing expert that is currently head of marketing for the Bravo Wallet. During our conversation, Bertrand shares his expertise in building and growing communities around the product. Why do I say you should create a different brand for your community and your product? It's uh, because for your community, you will need a narrative. And this narrative cannot be exactly the same that, than the narrative from your company. Please enjoy this conversation with Bertrand Blancheton. Bertrand, welcome to the show. Hello, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to have you on the show and talk about uh, growth strategies and uh, Let's start actually talking about your marketing background. What I'm most interested about is uh, actually how how did it happen that you shift from such a prominent career in Web 2 and move towards Web 3? From 2020, I started to work with, uh, with crypto or Web 3 projects. And this is where I get introduced to the world of crypto. And per per, I realized that the type of marketing that we were doing in this crypto world, in Web3, were, were different. And I realized it was something which was like, uh, not in line with my value, let's say, with the way I wanted to work and I wanted to do marketing. So I decided to stop my, my company. I joined two first projects where I was uh, interim uh, manager for them. Um, before I found Bravos, uh, the company I'm working for now. And where I'm uh, marketing leads uh, for them. What in your shift, you know, between uh, Web two and to Web three, what competencies did you need to develop, you know, to make this this passage? What what helped you? Mm-hmm. So the f- first thing is uh, it's not competencies, but it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a shift to do. Uh, the reason is. When I was in, in Web2 and especially at the end working with a new generation of marketing, everything was data based on data. Um, data is are important on the way we work. There is no doubt about it. But at the end, everyone tried to justify things with data. Even if they don't do anything, they try to justify that data gives them reason. They use data to push new projects instead of to use framework which already exists and so on, which makes like most, I mean, 70% of the time I saw we had to do, to launch some projects which were based on data, but data were just partial about the whole market and the whole dynamic we should observe on the market. So at the end, you know, the marketing was misleading. We, we, we had to do things which were not in line with what the market needed. And somehow it's become difficult for, for a marketing leader to say, okay, we should work on our marketing fundamental before to go on growth. So when I, when I sh- shift to, to Web3, it's because I realized that when I was working with Web3, the lake of data, you know, pure data, 
makes that we have to come back on the fundamental of marketing, which means like we're uh, thinking about like the pure evolution of your market, thinking about your um, positioning, uh, your branding, uh, looking at crafting hygiene solution to see if it's fit with your with your potential audience, and then craft message and test your message. And where it's fantastic, it's like we know that in Web3 community, it's something big. So it means you have people to whom you can test your message. And as soon as you get your message right, then you can deploy your whole growth, uh, growth-led approach or community-led approach. We're going to come back to this because working in yeah. product, uh, you, you're always about making decisions that they say that are driven. I really like more the, the, the notion of being data-informed. So mm-hmm. I really want to go back and understand uh, how then do you measure if your strategy is successful, mm-hmm. if there is a lack of data, you know, which signals uh, do you, can you isolate and observe uh, and understand, oh yeah, I'm doing something right uh, versus, you know, I need to change something. Data are important to, to validate your action. So data is not the source of your plan but it validate if your plan was good or not. It's measure your performance, basically. So let's say when you start a Twitter account, why do you start a Twitter account? Because you have some data which say that you should start a Twitter account? No, because you observe your audience or the audience you think you, you want to, to reach. Say, so this guy are, are talking on Twitter. So let's go on Twitter, be with them. Take part of this discussion, you know what I mean? Then, because you are there, you're going to start to create your content and according to the content you're gonna you're gonna create, you will see that you will get the traction, you will get followers, you will get more views, you will get like uh, people who are gonna mention you, and so on. So those that are interesting to validate that it was the right choice to go on Twitter and to make the type of content you are doing. If you are doing a content but you don't get any traction, so you have to change the content. But basically, the data will not tell you which type of content is good for you. It's tell you that the content you are doing is pretty acceptable, not relevant for audience, or perfect. I have a fantastic example. I had a freelancer working with me, and we, he started to propose certain type of posts that we tried. He called that engagement post. And when we push it, we make like three times more engagement than normally. But it was not due to, so he was like, you see, I write, we should do this post. But with marketing background, you know that uh, the format and the context of your content can change a lot. So this engagement post was about like answering a very simple question. And people like to answer simple questions, especially when they know the answer, you know what I mean? But it doesn't educate these people to what we were doing. It didn't inform people to what we were doing, or it didn't push the people to emphasize the message we want to push to the world. So the data was validating a format, but not supporting our mission. Yeah. I agree. And it goes very much into the direction that I was talking about, you know, to be data-informed right there. Then, exactly. Then. I, like, I like the formulation. Yeah, it's not mine. Very, very I wish it was mine, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Take it for you for, for, for the call, at least. Um, let's go back to the differences between being a marketer in, uh, in Web2 versus Web3. So mm-hmm. we got the data part. Right, you turned uh, kind of the lack of data, probably due to the lack of centralizing structure, etc., mm-hmm. as a as a good signal to go back to the fundamentals. Right, um, 
What are the other differences uh, that you can think about? Um, the main point was about uh, the fuddle we were using. Um, basically, in, um, especially, sorry, especially in, in SaaS and FinTech, we were using funnel which calls the triple A, triple R. So awareness, acquisition, activation, retention, revenue, and return. So you try to get people on top and you bring them through all the steps. But when you switch from a product-led approach or marketing-led approach to community-led approach, you need to also shift this, this funnel and shift up the mindset. So it's not about like starting with awareness and activation. It's actually starting with retention. And the reason is when you are in a market which has such natural growth, the idea is like you will have people coming on your project, checking what you are doing. So when these people come, you need to have something in place to retain them. You don't need to over push, you know, your message. The, the world of Osmos through or between people makes that they bring their friend. And you have to, to get like everything you have, everything you need to retain them on your project and not try to focus on more awareness because people are here. They come, they come to you. That's interesting. Yeah. Let, let's explore a bit more on that because usually, like as you mentioned, product-led organization, especially those that do B2B, you know, either focus like uh, on very much on acquisition, so the first phase, or they focus like on, on revenues, right? Some focus on engagement, of course, but that's more on the B2C side. Why do you think in Web3 the key is retention instead and not like focusing on acquisition or monetization uh, or other forms of engagement? So first, there is no straight answer. It will depend on where, what type of project you're working on. If you are working on an ecosystem uh, level, so it means if you're working, let's say, on, at Ethereum or if you're working like for me, I mean, I'm not working for them, but StarkNet on this ecosystem, the ecosystem needs to create awareness and to bring people on into this ecosystem. Okay, but if you are one of the projects building on Ethereum or building on Starknet, it means because it creates this this huge traction, you don't have create traction for people who are not aware about your ecosystem. So you let them the ecosystem start aware for us doing the job to bring people in the, into this ecosystem, and our job is actually to seduce people from this community. But you are also part of this community, so. Uh, when we define community, we define, you know, with different circle. So you have the, the core uh, community of Bravos is basically the founder. There are three. Um, there are the, the magic triangle for us. But then you go to, to 30 people. 30 people is people like me who are working for the company and the, the main moderator from our community, people who really like the projects at the really beginning. Then when we go to 300 or 3000, the idea is basically to be part of this big community, this big StarkNet community, and let people know that we exist, we have a vision, we, and we are building, I mean, we have a mission, so we are building a new, pro, a new product, so they should come also to visit us. And then the work is to retain them. But let's say, you know, you are on a big show, a business show, I mean, and people are, are here, you know, moving around, and you need to have like a very nice stand that it's your product, it's your Discord, it's your website. So we have that. You need to do it. It's a bit of awareness, but you, you don't need to make a lot. Like a one-page website is enough in this world. And as soon as people stop in front of you, this is where you have to retain them. Yeah, that's clear. 
let's get deeper into these uh, into this area and talk about growth strategies. Mm-hmm. How would you how would you define what are the elements uh, that a successful growth strategy should contain? What are the key differences in setting up uh, growth strategies in uh, Web three compared to when you were working in Web two, for example? In Web two, the the concept was to define you know your conversion point. And then to bridge your funnel on the top first until the awareness. And as soon as you have awareness and people going through your funnel, especially for your content, you start to work what's happened after this conversion point. So retention, reactivation, revenue, and try to turn this your user into fans that they become your, your, your fans and you activate your referral. When you craft a strategy for, for Web3, <laughs> you take that, you put it like away. It, it will be useful, but not now, not at the beginning. It's going to be useful when you are big and the bull run will be back and so on. Uh, but for now, it's about community. So how do you start? You, I create um, a framework, let's say, which is in, in four periods. The last period is what I call the, the scaling system. Basically, a tri- triple R, A, triple R funnel. So classic. You know it, I know it, and most of people know it here. But when we start uh, with uh, Web3, the three first phases is what I'll call bootstrap, expand, growth. The first one to bootstrap is like, try to get this mini core community. For growing from three, the founders of the project, to 30. 30 dedicated people who like the project. That you incentive or not, but people, who, they are there because they believe in your mission. They understand that being early, close to a project can can help them to learn, to grow competencies, to be higher with the project, uh, to get some incentive in the future and so on. But these people are here and they are dedicated. At this, at this uh, step, so during this bootstrap uh, period, you must, I say you must do what is not scalable first. So it means you need to talk with people. You need to send message. You need to call, to be in face-to-face when you can, build a relationship. Is that online networking? I don't think so, but we can, it's more than networking. You bring something different with these people. So you have different elements, you know, to emphasize this, that it's basically creating like uh, some swag. So all the merchandising that you share, you make some limited edition, you make some uh, deep dive into the, the product. You bring these people, you know, in your company meeting sometime and so on. When you get these 30 people, then you want to move to the expand phases. This expand phases is basically the best network of the first 30 people. The first 30 people, basically, they can bring you three more people like them, two to three more people. So you're going to be 100 at the end of the day. Um, the advantage of that is like, because these people know you, they understand your mission, because you had enough time and because you spent time with them and so on. So they really understand what you want to do. They, tr- they, they end phases the right message to the next part of your community. And then you become 100. This 100 becomes 300 really quick. Okay, so from 3, 30, 300. Those 300 is a necessary number of people to get the 3 million uh, community you want in the next 3 to 4 years. It's not that 300 people will drive 3 million people. It's not, it's not, it will not happen as a human being. You, you don't have like 1,000 people that you can attract with you. But the point is, this core 100, 300 person they know your message so well that they can now become your ambassador. They can now become your content creator. They can become artists for the community. They can become moderator on your Discord. They can become 
uh, tester of your, of your products. And these people, it means they will always talk about you like a huge fan. This is the idea of, of the two first phases. The last phase is the growth as a marketer. Now that you have this 100, 300 people that you can really define, you know, who they are, how they think, where they are from. I mean, all their demographic and the psychographic, it's really, really important. Then you create more a growth approach with this all uh, lookalike approach. You know them, try to find the same type of people somewhere in the world. So it's more marketing approach. Uh, but before to, actually, to, to use like big media and so on, you will, you will use more like events and influencer. Because you will find influencers who fit perfectly your project. So, of course, you need to make partnership, you need to pay them. But at the end of the day, you will move from this 300 to this 3,000 and more, thanks to, I call that the crypto media, which is the influencer and KOL, key opinion leader. Let's dive deeper into each of those phases now. As a marketer, what do you need to do, you know, in each and every single one of those phases? So, in the first phase, which it's bootstrap, Right, you go back to do. I believe it was Reid Hoffman that says, "Do things that don't scale." So, what yeah. do you do exactly in this phase? And then all the successive phases, like uh, in the expand phase, and finally in the growth. On the on the bootstrap phases, it's about talking with people. So I spent about one third of my day. In, I mean, it's not a meeting to be honest. It's uh, it's talking with people. It's cool. I don't say my colleagues that I spend one third of my time just talking with the people from community because they are more tech, you know, they would like something more logic, some more marketing. But I'm like, no, this is necessary work that I need to do. So I am at the end of these phases, so I have my 30 people. But basically, what I did, I create my... I... Sorry, one second. where do you talk with these people? You know, like, is it on Discord? Is it on uh, LinkedIn, Twitter? Where is it that you meet with those people? Let's say there is two big places. One place is a Discord. So this is where people who learn, who learn about Bravos, they come on our Discord and this is where I identify, you know, some good attitude and then I start talking with them, check what they do, a bit their background. And when I see that they have a real potential, I contact them and say, hey, let's jump in a call, take a coffee, let's spend 15 minutes together and share about our life. People are really happy about that. It's fine. It's making me a break. I can drink my coffee with someone interesting every day. So it's cool. But the second place is Telegram and uh, Twitter. Coming from the web too, you know, I knew the value of Twitter. So I had, to be honest, to refresh a bit my, my, uh, my codes and the way I was working with it. But I think now it's working great. Telegram was uh, a bigger surprise. When I came in this world, I saw Telegram like, it's a WhatsApp-like, yeah. the way it works. But I, I was really seeing it like a low-value chatting platform where people can, can get in contact with you every time, so you are spam every time and so on, which is on a certain side the case. But if we focus on the value of it, it's like you also get access quickly to people. You can build relationship with people just by checking a few words every two, uh, two and three days, sharing some information, useful information that you see. And for example, this is where I am I'm mainly building relationship with uh, people everywhere in the world who try to build mini community around StackNet and around Brabos. So Discord, when they know the project, when they are not yet ready to move to the Discord, Twitter, Telegram are really important. And often people that I reach on Twitter then they want to move on Telegram to have the to have a talk. Very interesting. So let's go back to 
do things that don't scale and the various mm -hmm. phases of being a marketer and how does it look like, right? Your responsibilities, how do they shift according to your framework? So you mentioned that you're about to end this initial bootstrap phase. So mm -hmm. you've got your 30 true mm -hmm. fans. Yeah, exactly. Let's say, yeah. Right. And you're about to move to the next. Mm -hmm. What What is the the next phase, the expansion phase going to look like for you? you know? So for me, and first, so when you start to talk with people and you get this qualitative information, like would you a pro project manager, you know, getting a lot of data, but also qualitative data, we're talking with your user to make sure you're, you're in phase with it. But here, because the market emerged from the community, you need to uh, be part of this community and see how this community moves. It's it's something different than just a market analysis. I mean, not just. It's a big way to do market analysis. But it's different. But then you talk with people, you get this information. Now you have to create your community plan. One part, part is about defining the identity of your, of your community. So it's been like define your purpose, uh, values, you know, create a mini brand to, around your community, which can be slightly different from your company brand. I recommend that as well. And success definition. Why do I say you should create a different brand for your community and your product? It's uh, because for your community, you will need a narrative. And this narrative cannot be exactly the same that, than the narrative from your company. It must be a bit more fun, let's say. Okay. So it's like, if we are doing a wallet, for my company, it's perfect. When I arrived, my, my, uh, my colleagues made fantastic pre-job for me because the company Bravos, it's come from a series called Game of Thrones. So it's helped me to create a new branding. Uh, I mean, a branding, which is based on the name and on the helmet, which is our logo. But then, you know, to create this narrative around uh, Bravos. So for example, the name or the role we are giving into, that we will give into the community are based on the different uh, people which live in Bravos. I want to explore a little bit more in details about this. How do you, do you productize communities? Because basically this is what we're talking about, right? You mentioned creating a narrative for communities that it's uh, related but different from that of a product. So what are the elements that this narrative should contain and how is it different uh, really from that of the product? So, so once you have your, let's call that identity, okay? You have to create the experience. Experience, you mentioned it's about giving people some role, creating roles, creating rituals. For example, in, in Web3, we say, you know, you have this GMGN, which is good morning, good night. So for us, we change it. It's like not GMGN, it's GMB, GN, and good morning, bravo. And it's funny because when you have like new people coming in the community, they're like, why do you say GMB and GN, GMB? And you know, those who know the stories, they're like, ah, you, have, you have to find out by yourself. You know, it's like the, the rules and the rituals start to, to, to create like a bonding in, into, this, uh, into the, the community. But this is the experience part. Uh, after the experience, you are, it's like the structure of your of your community. In the structure, you can think about, about creating the organization, who is doing what. So at this point of development of the company, you need some support into the company, but also creating like roles from people who will really um, take responsibility in, in the company. You need a governance. So for example, we created three main roles into our community. And the governance now is made by five people before we decentralize. It's made by five people. It's like my CEO, Moti, 
and the founder of Bravos, me, because I'm the, let's say, head of community, and three persons from the community which are not working at Bravos. So we are already giving like 60% of the governance to our community. Uh, the financing, it's been so working on budgets uh, with uh, with a company, uh, data management, channels, and platform. And to answer your question about how do you scale, uh, you have to use specific specific tools. So uh, first, Discord. Discord is a fantastic chat system where you can segment all your discussion, where you can organize everything, but also where you can plug bots and uh, automation, which means like according to what's happening, in your Discord, you can trigger certain certain action. Also, and this is a new tool that I'm using and I launched it last week. It's called Crucery. Crucery is a simple system that you can plug with your Discord and where you can create mission. When people are, are doing some mission for you, according if they success or not, but when they success, they get some points. With these points, it's generate a level. And with this level, you can get a reward. For us, it's not a direct reward, but it's a title or rank. Uh, basically, to become Whisperer, you need to be level three. To be level three, you need to generate, I think, 500 points. 500 points, you do it um, through the different mission that, uh, that we Interesting. Set. So in this phase, you start to really, you know, like kind of structure the community, give it, uh, give it a shape, a governance, you mentioned, and start looking at some data and data points. Mm-hmm. How long does this phase last, uh, you know, until we go to the next one, uh, which is the growth uh, stage? It will take me about three weeks maximum to get my Android people. Uh, I launched tomorrow the first wave to 50 testers. From these 50 testers, I think we're going to keep 30 of them as official testers and the other one open tester, let's say. Uh, I'm going to do the same with content creator, 20 of them, I think. Because it's more as the people I identify. Um, same with Amb- Ambassador. But Ambassador is like a, a longer run in terms of building relationship and get them into the, the community. But let's say in three weeks, most of, of the work going to be done. Like getting the community up and running, getting not fully autonomous, but like 40-50% autonomous, where we just need to push the content to the leader. So we'll get people engaged around around this content and the mission. And then you move into the the next phase, uh, which is uh, the phase of the growth of the community. Mm-hmm. So as a marketer, what happens in this phase? In this phase is leverage the trust and the bonding you create with the first people, with the first hundred plus hundred that can lead to your plan. But basically, this is where you're going to start to push more uh, PR, more events, uh, event, I mean like community event, but based on two different, the local. So try to start creating uh, Istanbul meetup, uh, Laos meetup, local meetup, basically, where you want to be as well and meet people. You know, that now it's not about only Discord and what's happening on digital. It's also like starting, you know, a real local community, which can spread the world. Because what we observe in terms of digital communities, like you, you grow. But at one point, you see the traction start to, to decrease. And this is because, because people do not meet. There is a, uh, they miss, you know, the, 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 not physical content, but physical presence. And to counter that, we try to do like, not Twitter space, but like community call. Uh, but as soon as last time we were 1600, so you can't make community call with video. 
there is no tool for that. So uh, you need to create smaller group, maximum 100 for this course, for example, where you can still do a community call with video and bring people on stage with you, stock uh, certain projects. So the idea is like to split by local community, splitting their language and see PR, it's important also for the community, not for not only company branding or product side. It's also important to let the world know that this community exists and strives for and the reason why it thrives. It's not just about because you have more people, it's because people are, they come for, they come for, let's say, FOMO at the beginning, uh, but they stay for, for your mission. So as soon as this mission makes sense, then you should come out with, uh, with, uh, with a mission concept. And using PR, investing in PR to get this word out, help to build trust into your community. If you trust about something and you see the company which is behind your, your community, uh, putting money on saying those guys are right, they are right to meet every week, every month in certain place to put all this effort in the community. So we want to talk about that. You see what I mean? We want more people helping them toward the mission than more user or more client for us. And that, and that helped to create a bonding, to create, you know, a link between. I really see now when you mean, uh, when you meant at the beginning that you really look more into the retention rather than acquiring more, more users. I made a note while, while you were talking before to go back to, to a specific point that really captured my attention. And that is... Uh, there is maybe... A bit... Maybe before actually you, you want to move, I have another point in them. What yeah. is really important to use in Web3 is what we call partnership. Uh -huh. This is something which is we don't use almost anymore in the marketing point of view in in, the, in Web2. There are still product partnership when companies want to bring their product together. But in terms of marketing, you almost don't do it. Well, here it's really important. Uh, community likes the fact that to meet another community, to see if their mission, if their vision can match together. Second point is, because you are on the whole ecosystem, you know that it's better to grow together than to try to split and not grow with, uh, with other projects on your ecosystem. Of course, there are projects which are more strategic than others, especially when the mission of your community match or are complementary. I saw some projects, we want to do some partnership with us. I see there is no value because they are... They have a certain mindset in their, in their community, which it's totally different than us. They try to achieve something, which is good, but totally different than what we try to achieve. So, of course, we can meet. It's nice and friendly, and it's okay to go out and have a beer together. But when, it, when we talk about pure business, better to focus on, on strategic partnership and not simple marketing partnership. And how do you define a strategic partnership? Like, who is strategic? A person who can be complementary in your home in your mission. Mm -hmm. Someone who can help you to go deeper in the definition of the success of your mission. So it's like we want to build a wallet which onboard Web2 people and Web3 people. Okay? For that, there is two big aspects, which is the UX and the security. So if we meet a company or a community which is like uh, community uh, security-oriented, for us, it's, it's perfect we, because we, we, we can have fantastic discussion to say, for example, the discussion could be until where, you know, security, I mean, security is important, but until where we should implement security and decrease the level of UX into your product. Because sometimes 
you can't match both. You have to choose between security and UX. That can be a fantastic discussion with people who are like a fan of security. You know what I mean? Same for people who are fan of UX. Clear. Makes a lot of sense. Thanks for, for adding this. The question I had before, and then you can expand upon it the way you want, but how do you find an identity as a community? You mentioned this before, right? In the first phase, uh, you need to find an identity as a community. So how do you find that? If you want to be rational, you need to use a marketing approach, defining your positioning. What people want to talk about, what is important for them, and then your position on this topic, then you bring a product along the way. So when I create the, the fundamental of, of, the, of the community, when we talk about this identity, dive deeper on this vision and mission, or vision and mission, before then to try to develop a value proposition. Because this value will evaluate with a new technology coming on and so on, and it's really quick in Web3. So get all these people who want to participate to this type of mission. Absolutely. And very fascinating. How do you measure if your strategy for building your community is a success? We mentioned like at the beginning of the episode, the fact that you don't have the type of data maybe that you, you have in Web2, so you have to rely on something else. How do you, do you know, you know, oh, I'm doing the right thing, right? Or, or not? If you want to know what you, if you, if you want to know when you do the right thing, you should think about attendance, not goal. It means when you are on the emerging market, you can't say I want 1 million users in one year. You can't define. There is no reason for that. In a traditional company, you have the normally the finance, uh, the CFO or the, the, the financial leader of the company who say, okay, next year we need to make uh, 5 million revenue. 5 million revenue, it means we need 1 million users. So marketing guys, you need 1 million users. Make your budget how much you need to reach 1 million users. Simple. It's mathematic. In the world which is just growing, you're just like, okay, there is a cake, but this cake is always bigger and stranger, you know, like different. It goes a bit in everywhere. And you have to, to take a piece of it. Sorry. So the idea is don't try to say I need 1 million users because you're going to say I need 1 million on 5 million on the market. But in one month, it could be like 5.1, like it can be 10 million. So your 1 million objective is totally obsolete. Creating a trend, it means like in everything you do, you grow and you grow a bit faster, you know, like uh, uh, exponential curve. Uh, this is what you have to aim for. Because if you grow, it means you get more attention. If you grow uh, exponentially, it means you are getting the, the cake, a piece of the cake faster than the others. Whatever the market is doing, you're going faster. So until you go exponential, it's fine. Okay, so that, that is one dimension. What about uh, competition? Because the wallet space is, uh, is a space that is getting uh, crowded. Mm -hmm. Also because I think the reason is that it's the, really the gateway, if you want, uh, with, uh, with the word of Web3, right? To access, mm -hmm. you need to have a wallet. Okay. So how do you, do you differentiate yourself in Web3 Especially in a world that it's open source by definition. So how do you capture your advantage there compared to competition? Everything is not open source and um, for different reasons. Uh, for example, when you start to build your, your, your product, it is faster if it's not open source. You know, you can do whatever you want. 
it's not that you hide things. It's just like having your system open source requires more resources, more time. So at the beginning, you can craft start a project not being open source. Second reason is like um, the ecosystem on which you work, the blockchain, you know, they, they have different level of maturity. And it's interesting to be open source when everything, when the ecosystem you are on is also open source or already on the, what we call the main net, so it's the main system up and running. So there is already a phase we can last uh, four or five years where you don't really need. Then when everything is open source, you should be open source as well. But so during these four or five, five years, you can play strategic. You can start your project being small, showing people that you are small, even if you are, you are building, you know, behind your own marketing system, production system, and so on. And when you come out with your first number, people are like, whoa, what's happened? When we started six months ago, we had 0% market, market share. We had a competitor. When we came out with the first number, we coached 40% of the, of the market share. So for them, it was like a big, uh, a big surprise. Uh, not a good one, actually. Uh, if I'm moving forward, we are almost catching 50% right now. I mean, in the next few weeks, we will get the 50%. Because they don't see us coming. You, you figure and you start to attack when you are ready uh, to attack. So this is a, in the first phase of development. But when everything is open source, how you di differentiate by the quality of your product? Security is a must. You should ne no one should find any bugs in your in your product. We saw in our ecosystem some uh, some product. Uh, I mean, some bugs have been found on some big product. So of course, you know it's it's make like okay, is this project uh, reliable? Can we can I put my protein in it? Can I uh, use it and so on? It's it's a real true question. And then there is marketing. I mean, there is all the product parts. You have to be secure. You have to get to nice UX. You have to, it's a classical product, product strategy. But on the marketing side, this is where it's fantastic. It's so cool. It's so based on this community and community, as I say, it's a mindset. It's about people. So you really need to come back on the basics of your marketing is uh, working on those feelings. It's not about like manipulating people. It's like creating the right feeling, getting people around you. And this is fantastic because you are, we're in the world of data where everyone wants to talk about that, I use that and so on for the tech part, which is perfect. But in marketing, so for until now, there is a lack of competencies on this market. So those who come with great experience with a traditional background marketing can have a little advantage. You need to learn about all these new tools, how to use them, how to redefine your marketing plan and your growth plan and your community plan and so on. Interesting. Uh, I love to see how in the, in the future and uh... And where you will go with the with the Bravo wallet, uh, you know, and the Starknet ecosystem. Um, the moon, we go hmm? to the moon. <laughs> the standard sentence, like GM, and uh, well, we'll see. Actually, I'm to be honest with you, I'm a bit skeptical of this to the moon uh, in general. Not talking uh, about Bravo, but I'm a bit skeptical because the truth is, uh, most projects in Web three struggle to capture, to drive mass adoption. In a way that it's uh, much more dramatic, if you want, than in Web2. Like, already a lot of startups die in Web2 every day, right? But in Web3, I will say this, this rate is even more accelerated, right? Uh, also, like, this period of crisis doesn't help, of course. Uh, but 
why why do you think is that that we see so many projects like coming and then dying shortly shortly thereafter what is it that is still missing so on your first question why why pro- why some projects are dying from what i see it's lack of entrepreneurship experience lack of marketing fundamental is the second one uh, lack of marketing organization is the third one what i mean by um, lack of marketing organization i see company running the wrong strategy for example, they confuse what is a community-led approach and a, net, uh, and a network development. So it means network development is being friends with everyone. We, we go out, we go to an event, uh, we do a party, we enjoy, we try to bring something to code. It's cool. It's a very good moment and most of the tech people like it. But on a marketing point of view, this is nice and friendly, but it doesn't make the business. Then you see that those people, when they launch their product, they have the feelings, you know, that they have a lot of friends in the ecosystem, but strategically, this is not a business partnership. They are friends. It means they come to your Twitter space to say hello. But when we ask them, hey, are we the best pro- project on the, on the market? You know, your, people are like, uh, yes, but no, I can't say anything because there is two other co- projects doing the same than you. And as a business, we need to work with all of three, of all of you three. So... I can't tell in front of everyone that, yes, I, you are the best. So, they, they, and they, they mix and sync. Then in terms of content, you say there is, you hear a lot. People say we need to educate, educate, educate. Yes and no. Marketing-wise, you know that you have to create your content strategy based on different steps. Uh, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. And for each of three, you have different type of content. And this type of content is made to drive people toward your conversion point. You don't need to educate the old world about DeFi, crypto, and everything. Just focus on what value you bring to your potential user and explain this value and so on. The fact is, there is someone which is explaining, you know, the next step of level which is missing between you a web two person and you user. If someone have no idea about what is crypto, they're going to go on Google and they're going to say, what is crypto? But it's not my role as browse, as a wallet, to make like a full blog about what is crypto. I mean, you have plenty of companies who are going to do that. Some other companies have to explain what is DeFi and I'm going to plug my content on what is DeFi and below. But as a startup, I can't talk about everything and nothing. You know what I mean? I need to focus and get my, my content uh, performing uh, conversion. So this is a mistake that I see quite a lot. Thank you, Bertrand, for sharing your, your experience with us. We're approaching the, uh, the end of this interview. Uh, it's unmistakable <laughs> to say that DeFi and crypto in general is uh, in the middle of a very deep winter. So what do you think can restore the trust? and drive the next wave of mass adoption to this space? It's really, it's really interesting the way you, you ask your question um, because it does not reflect what's happened now. And I, I'm going to explain my point of view. I don't say this is the truth, but it's at least my point of view. First thing is, is there a winter? Yes, for the trader, it's a terrible winter. It's long, it's painful, but for entrepreneur, it's, a, it's already the beginning of spring. And the reason is, there is still VC still want to invest in, in these markets. DeFi will, will last and will work. 
I don't say it's going to dominate the world. I don't say that the banking, traditional banking system would disappear and so on. No. If this happens, it's, we need like three, four, five generations of people. So it's not for the next year. But the point is, entrepreneur gets funded. It's not as before where you were coming out and you were saying, I have an idea and people were coming with five millions and you get your five million and you start. But you, you get your four to six million first rounds as soon as you have, you can show that you know about what you are talking in terms of uh, crypto and Web3. And I mean, you have the good team, the, the right idea, uh, and you know how to position on the market. You will, you will find your funding. So in this regards, companies, we see new companies every day, every week, and it's still growing. Now in terms of mass adoption, it has nothing to do with what's happened on the trading market. Okay. And because the mass adoption is coming from, will come from, India, Argentina, Nigeria, yeah. Vietnam, Turkey, maybe China, according to how it's going to happen in terms of legal aspect. But let's say all these countries are the country where DeFi is needed. It's not like it will be a choice. It's needed because it's polit politically instable, because people now is looking for a new way to manage their ways because they start to have a ways. Uh, and they can't trust their local bank system. So they look for an alternative. This alternative is defined. So you see the, the, the adoption in this country is rocketing. I mean, it's mad. And But the point is, those people, the people who are talking about are young people from 16, 25, and they have a smartphone. So they have access to internet, they have access to DeFi. And they can start to do a bit of banking that they couldn't do normally. You know what I mean? DeFi will be start to get mature maybe in three to five years. They will be about 19 to 30. So they, they're going to be working. And now they are like, they need a system which is up, up, up and running, bringing the same value almost than the traditional banking system. And in three to five years, let's say it's going to not be the same, but it's going to be close. Maybe not for all the country, but for some of this country. So the adoption is there. We, we know where it's going to happen. It will not happen in France or in Germany or in Switzerland. Why? Because our, our banking system is is quite good. You know, we, we, we don't complain about our bank every day. You know what I mean? Uh, in those countries, it's a bit different. So the value proposition from DeFi is, uh, is working there. I would love to leave on these positive notes that you know, the best companies are built uh, in time of crisis. Uh, this is a time for builders, uh, you know, in the space to do great things. Bertrand, thank you so much for being a part of this show. It was a pleasure having you here and exchanging some ideas with you. It was a great pleasure for me because um, the, the question you asked really helped to, to deep dive in uh, in my knowledge as well. I mean, you challenged me, to be clear. Uh, I have to really prepare what, what we did. And it was really interesting because I'm already implementing some of the idea which emerged from, from this talk. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Bertrand. And uh, for those who listen, I'll see you next Bye. time. Bye. 
That's all from today's episode. Thank you so much for watching or listening. If you find this episode valuable, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel or to the Polyweb podcast on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. It would be fantastic if you could leave us a rating, a review, or a comment, as this really helps other listeners find the show. All the resources mentioned in this episode will be linked in the description and in the show notes. See you on the next episode. And if you cannot wait until next week, you can watch this episode right here that relates to some of the things that we talk about in this episode. Bye.